Hi there, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 12 of Stripped Music Diary. I'm Shannon, and if you like the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It really helps the show out a lot, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Stripped Diary. If you're in a band or if you want to send us any questions or comments, you can email us as well at strippedmusicdiary at gmail.com. And for this episode, we are kicking off a six-part mini-series on the band Jawbreaker, where we go through all of their full-length albums, including the 2002 compilation album, etc., in chronological order. We'll be kicking things off with the 1990 debut album, Unfun. So stay tuned for all of the albums here uh, at Stripped Music Diary, an in-depth look. Uh, and we are really excited about this mini-series. But if Jawbreaker is not your thing, then that's okay. We're still going to be doing our regularly scheduled highlights on uh, bands that we like and news and spotlights, reviews, all that good stuff. And tonight we're going to be talking about a band from Seattle, Washington called Tourist Activities. So stay tuned for all of that as well if you are not uh, not so into the Jawbreaker stuff. So let's get into this thing. Uh, without further ado, here is part one of six of the Jawbreaker miniseries, Unfun. So Jawbreaker formed in 1986 in New York when Blake and Adam were going to NYU. Uh, They answered an ad posted by Chris looking for musicians to play with. And ultimately, Chris ended up as the bassist of Jawbreaker shortly after the band uh, began. After sort of a rocky beginning, the band decided to go full force ahead and really try to immerse themselves in uh, in doing this band. So they moved out to the Mission District in San Francisco, California, where there was a big punk scene. Um, a lot of bands were coming up in that scene. Operation Ivy, Rancid, Green Day, uh, bands like that uh, were, were all playing it. Gilman Street, which is a famous punk rock venue uh, that was run by volunteers. And if you saw the documentary on Jawbreaker called Don't Break Down, then you know that um, Jawbreaker were later banned from from this venue for basically selling out uh, when they signed to Geffen Records in 1995. Uh, So we're here to talk about unfun, though. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I just wanted to bring you up to speed if you have never heard uh, the history of Jawbreaker or if maybe you are a new fan um, or maybe even if you haven't even heard of Jawbreaker before and you're just interested in in listening uh, to all of my episodes, which thank you so much for. But um, either way, I, I just wanted to bring everybody up to speed a little bit of the history. I'll be including in in these mini series episodes, so hope you don't mind. Um, it's not a complete oral history of Jawbreaker or anything. If you are looking for a really in depth look at the band, I really highly recommend. Don't break down; it's really great. Uh, you can also check out the documentary on uh, the story of the East Bay 
uh, punk. It's called Turn It Around. Sorry, Turn It Around, the story of East Bay punk. Uh, <laughs> that's a great documentary as well. It's narrated by Iggy Pop. And uh, tons and tons of artists in there talking about the Bay Area scene in California. And uh, we have people like uh, Kathleen Hanna in it, as well as uh, Screeching Weasel. And I believe Miranda July is in it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool and definitely worth checking out as well if you're looking for more details. So don't scoff if uh, I, I leave out things because um, we're trying to focus more on the albums here. So Unfun was released in 1990 and it was recorded on Shredder Records, which is a Bay Area uh, label. And Shredder had a couple releases uh, from a band called Parasites. Um, they had uh, a release from the Dead Boys and they also had uh, a release by Jolt. And a couple others that I, I can't remember at the moment. So, uh, like I said, Jawbreaker came out to California to play at Gilman Street. Bands like Green Day, uh, Rancid, uh, Blatz, Sam I Am were all kind of uh, in the scene playing there. Uh, Flipper, the Dead Kennedys. And this was very a very crucial time in, in punk rock. And the 80s were sort of like a macho punk rock um, overall. It was, it was like political and angry and just super macho. So here come bands like Green Day and Jawbreaker to sort of break that up. And people were ready for a change, I think. And the way Jawbreaker's emotional lyrics were met with this, with these super hooky, poppy punk uh, riffs, just really, really uh, enamored people and endeared them to the band. So um, they released a couple seven inches and people were just really catching on and just really excited about this band. Um, so they did their, their debut album in, in 1990 and on the cover, if, uh, if you're familiar with the artwork, it's a, it's a little kitty cat on the cover. Um, and it just has orange lettering, uh, unfun at the bottom. So, uh, the, the band went on to use this font, uh, that their band name is in on, on unfun over and over again, um, throughout the years, it's pretty iconic for the band so I just wanted to mention that as well but uh, yeah let's let's sort of dive into uh, some albums here before I dive into the album itself that were released in 1990 uh, we also had Fugazi's repeater uh, we had shelters perfection of desire dead moon's defiance slapshots firewalker EP and uh, Green Day's 39 Smooth, uh, which is their debut album as well, which is, that's pretty neat. Um, they um, had released some, like an EP and some seven inches and stuff like that before, before this, but yeah, so um, we're going to go kind of track by track here. Um, I skipped a few because I, I didn't really have too much information or too much to say on it. If you have any comments or any kind of like fun facts that you want to share, just go ahead and send us a message or email us. Uh, like I said, sorry if I, I miss anything here, but I, uh, I'm trying to do, be as in-depth as, as possible. Um, the vinyl version of, of Unfun included 12 tracks. However, um, the CD version, which 
I believe came out two years later in 1992, included three additional tracks, which were Lawn, Crane, and I-5. And those were three tracks that were on the 1989 Whack and Blight 7-inch. They uh, they just wanted to include that on the um, on the CD version. So the album was recorded at um, Radio Tokyo in Venice, California, and it was uh, recorded and mixed there. It was mastered by John Golden and produced by Jawbreaker and Richard Andrews. And uh, personnel, we have Blake Schwarzenbach on guitar and vocals, uh, Chris Bauermeister, Bauermeister on bass, and Adam Fowler, I can never say his name, I'm sorry, on drums. So we're just going to go with uh, Chris, Adam, and Blake. It's never been anyone else in Jawbreaker, and um, I'm sure if you're familiar with the band, you know that... Uh, they had a 10-year run uh, from 86 to 96 and had a, uh, a big, massive blowout where they decided to call it quits. And they have only recently returned uh, to play a string of uh, reunion shows. And it's rumored that they are working on new music now. So, yeah, um, we are basically diving into to to the first track here want um knowing that uh this band is is iconic in the punk and hardcore scene um and their wikipedia says that they are also they were instrumental as far as like the emo scene and i guess that that is true but it just seems kind of odd to me. You always hear punk and, and hardcore, but I guess so uh, because of the lyrical content behind uh, behind this album. It's just, it's very, very heart-wrenching. And Blake has a way with words that I feel like before that wasn't, before this album, before Jawbreaker, wasn't really prevalent uh, in punk music and it may have been, you know, a little, a little bit, but I feel like when Jawbreaker exploded, um, it really brought to the surface this, this new style of emotive, uh, punk. And, um, that was for me as a fan of Jawbreaker at the forefront were the words, the lyrics, and that just being so different than the same old, you know, just aggro male chauvinistic uh in the pit type of lyrics but we can't forget about the uh the powerful music that's behind this band and yes they're a three-piece and yes it's pretty easy to play a lot of of jawbreaker songs but there is a a perfected art behind especially the rhythm section in this band a lot of uh, palm muted power chords and things like that coming from Blake's guitar but the powerful hooky bass lines and the the dancy guitar or I'm sorry the dancy drums behind uh, most or all if not all jawbreaker songs are incredible and just strung together so perfectly and in, in that sort of like perfect sloppy way. So, uh, the album opens up with want, which even up, up until today is a fan favorite. I was reading an article from noisy and it was like, you know, something to do with 
getting like getting into Jawbreaker for the first time or a guide to getting a guide to getting into Jawbreaker. I just looked it up. Um, and this was the first track on on their uh, playlist that they um, that they were uh, giving to people here to listen to, to, to learn about Jawbreaker, to find out about this band. And I feel like it's a very, uh, apropos introduction to the band and they may have put it first for that reason, but also because it, it is, you know, from their first album. So either way, I wholeheartedly agree with putting want on an introduction to the band, uh, playlist, but I feel like people sort of let the rest of Unfun fall by the wayside, and it is such a catchy, fun, sing-along type of song, but there's so much other greatness in uh, in the album, but um, that's my that's my little rant there, but uh, Want is a, a great, great song, and I feel like it's carried by Chris's bass line. That bass line is incredible, and it before Blake even says a word, you want to like get up out of your seat and dance, and so it's it's earned its place as a fan favorite. It's earned its place as the standout track from Unfun. Um, and it, it's a good, uh, record starter, but, um, and like I said, there are, there are many more delicious songs on, on, on fun to be discovered. So, uh, that being said, track two, see through skin, um, kind of addresses a, a racist person in their scene or, uh, somebody that he's, that Blake's calling out for being racist. Um, and that is also the song that I played on the intro here to this episode. So, um, yeah. So then we have track three, fine day, which we hear the iconic, uh, monologue sampling that, uh, that jawbreaker is known to do, uh, track four incomplete and incomplete is probably my favorite song on the record. Um, I don't know. I think a second close is gutless, but I really like the lyrics and the message behind, uh, incomplete. We're not here for me to go on about my thoughts about the record. We're just, <laughs> we're just talking about, um, you know, we're talking about the facts here, but I just have to say that, um, it was important, especially in, in the time that this, this record came out for this message to, to come out from Blake that, there, he's saying that the band isn't hard enough. Um, they're, they're kind of these California wussy guys and, you know, there's all this New York hardcore coming out, uh, from their, their hometown, you know? So, uh, there's a line in that song that says, sorry, we ain't hard enough to uh, piss your parents off. And we hear, uh, Blake using ain't, he uses that a lot, sort of like a, uh, a sassy comeback in a way like he um he uses that quite a bit in uh throughout jawbreakers discography so yeah um track five is imaginary war track six busy um busy is an interesting song because it's it's super positive and it almost reads like 
Blake is singing to himself, but it does, it sounds like he's singing to a friend to, to stay positive, but it almost could be himself. So, um, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, track seven softcore addresses, uh, the issue of pornography with the line. It's painted the colorations tainted skin looks good on paper to a million hungry eyes. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty neat for a punk band to be addressing things like sexism and racism on, on albums and not being overtly in your face political about it. You know, um, we have, uh, track eight driven track nine wound track 10 down track 11 gutless, which I said was my second, maybe even tie for first favorite song on, on this album. Um, it's, it's just a really, it's just a really great track. Um, you know, and we have, we close out the album with drone, um, on the vinyl, um, release of this record. And I didn't say much about the end of the record. I don't have that many notes or anything that I could really put into words, but I just have to say the back half of this record just is the best for, for driving. It's just great driving music. And something else I wanted to point out about the record is, um, beside, beside like imaginary war and fine day, most of the song titles are just one word. And we see that repeated throughout Jawbreaker's discography as well. They, they tend to favor or Blake tends to favor just one word as a song title. And I always found that, um, really interesting. I, I always liked that a lot. Um, I believe it was the busy single that I had on seven inch. And unfortunately it was lost in a, in a breakup. But, um, I think it was that one that came in a, a box set and it was called like, uh, the Jabberjaw box set or something like that. And it came with like an ashtray and stuff. It was pretty interesting. Um, I wish I still had it, but, but yeah, so, uh, track 13, this is where it picks up with the whack and blight uh, EP from 1989 that was only released on the CD version. And if you see different color album, like different colors of, um, unfun in the lettering, I believe the CD, the CD version is orange instead of like a teal. Um, it's because the, this is like a, it was like a re-release or something like that, but I don't know. You can find out more about the, the actual releases on Discogs, but, um, I believe that's, that was, um, what the deal was. I think the orange one was the CD release, um, that came in 1992 with the three extra tracks. Lawn was track 13, Crane track 14, and I5 track 15. So that's kind of a neat fan service. They decided to add, couple more tracks, um, you know, uh, on the end, on the end of it there a couple of years later. So, um, so yeah, this album was received really well by, uh, the scene by, um, you know, people going to shows and before Drawbreaker knew it, they were selling out shows in Seattle and Washington, Washington is yeah, Seattle and California and 
Portland, Oregon, places like that. So they decided to go on a full tour using Blake's dad's calling card. And back then, um, you had to actually call the venue and, and set up a show. And they were still getting laughed at a lot. And um, they Blake is, is uh, quoted as saying a lot of places he'd call up some of his favorite venues and they would uh they would give him the answer of as if so that's pretty 90s <laughs> so uh that that was an, an article that i read i don't know um how much truth there is to it i couldn't um give you the reference for it but it was some article that i read where he had, where he had said that so yeah so basically um this album set the uh, the gears in motion for this band for the success and explosion of Jawbreaker in the punk rock scene, especially on the West Coast. And it just solidified them as icons in the punk scene. And I am really excited to be doing this series. I um, think I'll have a little bit more to say on some of the, um, the albums, I think, that like came later. Uh, I don't want to give too much away. Uh, well, basically I got into Jawbreaker through 24 hour revenge therapy. So I, um, don't want to give too much away, like I said, but I will probably have a lot to say about that. I've been trying to keep more of my opinions out of it, but it's just, it's just too hard. Sometimes I have to, uh, I have to input them. That's why this is a diary and not, uh, stripped music facts. So there you have it. Uh, that is an in-depth look at Jawbreaker's Unfun. Like I said, if you have any tidbits or fun facts or anything you'd like to add that I may have missed, um, just let me know. But um, other than that, we're going to go ahead and um, play a little bit of the song Gutless because like I said, that is my other favorite from that from the album Unfun. So play a little bit of that. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Seattle band tourist activities. Yeah. 
really excited to talk about uh, new friends of the show, Tourist Activities. Uh, They're a band out of Seattle, Washington. They started off as a duo, but have recently uh, added a bassist and a drummer to make full band and have been playing out live and um, getting things going. Uh, They released an EP called Inchworm, which is available on Bandcamp. And I just, I can't get enough of, of their EP and the couple full band tracks that they released. They're so, so good. And they were nice enough to have me write something for their Spotify page. And um, they also included it on their Bandcamp page. And I'd like to read you the little blurb now so you can get a better picture of of, uh, what this band is all about. So here it is. Hailing from Seattle, Washington, Tourist Activities is a band who will instantly grab you by the hand and take you careening through an indie-twanged dream pop soundscape. Managing to take the toe-tapping summertime sensibilities of a band like Chairlift and marry them with the melancholy reverb-soaked blouse to create tunes you can dance to, sway to, cry to, laugh to, be alone to, or fall in love to. With their steadfast shimmering vocals and hazy dissonant guitars, tourist activities will undoubtedly be our guide into a new chapter in indie rock. Um, I feel like that perfectly sums up the band. I was super blown away by the vocals on uh, on this project. It's, uh, like I said, just a little reverby like blouse, but poppy and dancey enough like chairlift so if you like those two bands definitely check them out i'm going to play a song at the end of this episode um for y'all to hear so you can you can hear them but um they're like i said are also have been playing out shows and you can follow them on instagram uh tourist.activities.music is their handle or you can find them on bandcamp uh, touristactivities.bandcamp.com and uh yeah it's it's always cool checking out uh new bands i know that not that are that are just not fed to you on a label um and i like i said in my last episode i really like finding bands through labels that's how eric who's on the show quite a bit. He finds bands like that a lot, but, um, I don't know. There's something just really gratifying about coming across bands in, in new ways that aren't just fed to you through, through labels and, and things like that. So, um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and play uh, tourist activities for you before we do Um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Once again, if you have any questions or you want to send us some fan mail or anything like that, you can send us a message at strippedmusicdiary at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at strippeddiary. Also, don't forget to uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Instagram. on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast because it really helps the show a lot. Uh, we got some new um, reviews and, and ratings and we really, really appreciate that. So we'll go ahead and leave you with the song Middle Fork. It's the full band version from Seattle's Tourist Activities. Thank you all so much for listening and stay tuned next week. We're going to be doing Jawbreaker's Bivouac. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.